If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast. It really wasn't talked about back then when I was in middle school and high school about pitching at elevation. It, the majority of the staff, I think, except for Marquez, we all came through the system uh, of the Rockies, and, and you can see that this was installed a long time ago. We're going to put a team on the field that's that's on a hit and play defense well, but also have a, a group of pitchers that know what it takes to pitch at this level and also you know, pitching at Coors with everything that goes along with that, with you know, altitude and everything. It's very special, and we pride ourselves on it. And once I actually got off the family plan, I actually texted him, hey, I got my own phone bill and he's like it's about time <laughs> so those were pretty good ones. did you have a gold glove before you were on your own phone plan um yeah i did i did i did i got brought in with runner at second and i walked the eight nine hole guys um who i faced in triple a earlier that year and then all of a sudden Derek jeter comes over bases loaded and i'm like oh man what i do but i started him off the breaking ball actually for a strike and I ended up oh, striking him out so <laughs> what, do I, what do i do i'll surprise him <laughs> And now, your host, Drew Priestman. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. On today's episode, we have much to discuss. Of course, a couple of wins for your Colorado Rockies. A come-from-behind, crazy, nail-biter win in the final set against the Washington Nationals. And then a game that was close for a while in the first of three against the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati. Ends up being a runaway victory for your Colorado Rockies. They've looked a lot better the last two games, obviously. I mean, we were going to see that. They weren't going to continue to look as bad as they have, but it's still worth jumping into some of the things that we've seen from these couple of games that may be a little bit more sustainable, Uh, particularly, I think, when it comes to uh, what Harmen Marquez did. Uh, I I think you're seeing more building back to a, a very strong base for him. But we'll get into all of that. Obviously, the offense breaking out a little bit there. Uh, who's doing what? 
nice run here for Ryan McMahon, and, and we've talked about the importance of that. But I do want to begin today with my, I don't want to say final thoughts, my, my thoughts on, on the retirement of Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about it. I've shared a few thoughts on Twitter, but I've honestly mostly stayed out of it, and, and I'm, I prefer to focus on the team now and and cover the current Rockies for all of you and I, and I think that's what people generally prefer but as longtime Rockies fans you're probably also interested in what was a very fascinating career uh Troy Tulowitzki as many 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 people were pointing out and doing polls on like who who were the other people in this category but he was one an all-time case of what if uh, if not for the injuries, Ken Griffey Jr. comes to mind. Uh, there, there are certainly a lot of athletes over the years, and feel free to share yours in the comment section here on Facebook Live, and I'll just kind of read them across. But it is sad. Now, it's not real-world sad. It's not a tragedy. Uh, worse things have happened to better people today. Um, but we all missed out on an opportunity to witness true greatness. Troy Tulowitzki could have been the best shortstop of all time, one of the best players of all time, especially if you add in the fact that some of the injuries earlier in his career sapped away an ability he had that a lot of people don't think about, which was speed. Early on, he was a really good base runner, and he was never, you know, Ryan Altapia or even Trevor Story or, or David Dahl speedy, but he was just a little bit under that his first couple of years. If you're listening to this, you know what he could do with the bat. You know what he could do with the glove. There was one... And only one red mark on his resume. He couldn't stay on the baseball field. Now, there's all the off-the-field stuff that I think sometimes gets a little bit overblown. I think it's worth noting that he could have been a little warmer to fans in certain situations. He had a reputation for not being great with like autographs and just running into fans randomly. I know a lot of people have shared some negative stories with me, and I know a lot of reporters have shared negative stories with me about times in the clubhouse or even times they called him and he said weird things to them. And though he was always kind and respectful to me, in maybe the five to ten conversations I had with Troy Tulowitzki before he was traded, it he was always good to me. But I'm also not one of those people that thinks, well, hey, if someone's cool to me but they're a jerk to everyone else, then I don't have to care. Like, I don't like that stuff either. And I know it makes people's jobs harder uh, you know, the, just all the people that work around him and sometimes even his teammates. 
And and so it's worth bringing up, I think, in that respect, because I do think there's a fair argument to be made that if Troy Tulowitzki had a little bit more chill when he was a member of the Rockies, they might have been able to get through some of their tougher times and, and, and have some more success while he was here. But I also think it's absolutely fair because, look, whatever if you're a 10 out of 10 on the scale of I don't like Troy Tulowitzki's attitude, then that's fine. But it's at worst, he's super rude. Right. Like at worst, he was super rude. And that's fine if you object to that. I don't I don't like it. On the other hand, you know, he's not going back to what I was saying. There are plenty of athletes out there have done much, much worse, including one of the guys he was traded for. And, and he's nowhere near that kind of cat- category, right? From all accounts, he's a wonderful family man. He's a great father. I think a lot of people have mentioned that s- since having Taz Tulowitzki, he's, he's chilled out a bit. But I, I do think it's fair to bring that up because I think clubhouse chemistry is on the table. And if I'm going to put that on the table and talk about it being good for some guys, it's important to, to talk about other situations where you go, well, maybe it wasn't so great. But I also think it's absolutely fair for anybody, and I think everybody should at, at some point. This is becoming sort of my theme of the season is that it's all right to not just think one way about something. And it's important for us to be able to see things through multiple lenses, right? And I've been doing a lot of that on that video game podcast I do with my brother, but like, let's look at it through this lens. Let's look at it through that lens. If you just want to look at it through the lens of what could the guy do once he took the field, he was arguably the best Rocky between the lines Ever. Ahead of Helton, ahead of Larry Walker, he was the single most talented person at the game of baseball to ever put on a Colorado Rockies uniform. And he could have been one of the all-time greats. He was more valuable on a day-to-day basis, and I wrote the article, and it was true, than Mike Trout. He just couldn't stay out there. And I know a lot of people want to have the conversation about Trevor's story, and honestly, I don't think that that's quite fair to Trevor. And even though most Rockies fans right now, if you did a poll, I bet you 75% or higher of Rockies fans would say they'd rather have Trevor Story than Troy Tulowitzki. And a big part of that is him staying on the diamond. And I think that that's not an unreasonable position to hold. But I do think that it is in some ways been forgotten and is as rude or whatever word you want to put on it as, as he may have been, it's not worth forgetting the seasons he put up in Colorado that were absolutely insane. From his rookie season, which may have been the best defense we have seen played in decades. Not just at shortstop, 
uh, for anybody. He was he happened to be doing it at shortstop. It was absurd. Tying a, a rookie home run record for shortstop set by Ernie Banks. I think he also had a 2020 year. When he hit 15 home runs in 15 days in September of, I believe, 2010. He has more, so if you go by either Fangraphs War or Baseball Reference War, which if you're out for an extended period of time, you absolutely get dinged for. Tro- uh, Trevor Story's best season so far would be ranked about fifth for Troy Tulowitzki in the years he put up as a Colorado Rocky. The guy routinely hit well over 300, a ton of pop, and played gold glove defense at the most valuable defensive position in the game. It, it, what, there, there just aren't many players like him, and it's really too bad that it all turned out the way it did. Everything from the circumstances around him being traded, and again, I, I don't think that that's... Really on the team, you know, it sounds like he had a bad attitude about that. And and a lot of guys are traded and they don't get notice from the GM. And, you know, they don't immediately start trashing their own team, their, their old team in the press. But clubhouse atmosphere and all that stuff. The But... The guy could play, man, at his best. That that's the old question. I think I think I got that from Scott Van Pelt back in the day. He used to say, "Okay, but how good is your good?" That's another way to. That's another lens to look at it. You can look at it. What did they do over their careers? He didn't have a better career than Todd Helton or Larry Walker or probably Carlos Gonzalez. And by the time it's said and done, Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story are all going to have had better careers and better Rockies careers than. Troy Tulowitzki did. So that's a whole other, and that's a fair lens to look at it. But how good is your good? At your best, he was the best. The best who ever put on a Colorado Rockies uniform. And so it is worth remembering. And, and this will be part of the reason why I'm going on so much here is because I, I saw a lot of people like we may do up a, l- a little write up because Nolan Arenado had some nice things to say, uh, but I do want to kind of crystallize it, contain it, and and move on and, and talk about the current team and the future team and the Colorado Rockies who exist. But there there's a reason why, despite all of these weird whatevers, you know, when the when the team came out with the top twenty five or the all time great T shirt last year, you couldn't not put Troy Tulowitzki on there. Everyone would have been like, look, come, d- dude, right? Anyone who witnessed it, who, who, whoever took part in the clap chant and yelled out too low at the top of their lungs, um, he wasn't always the clutchest. I guess, I guess that's the other in-between-the-lines thing. You could say maybe Nolan Arenado at his best by the time it's all said and done because of the clutch factor is a guy. You say, no, I'd, I'd take him. But 
it, it was it was amazing to behold. He was a superstar phenomenon athlete and his emergence in 2007 and his play in in 2009 is a huge part of the reason why the Rockies have been to the postseason at all between 1995 and these last couple of years. That's that was their run. The only World Series the Colorado Rockies ever played in and a huge part of it was their rookie shortstop who was kind of the heartbeat of that team. So thanks for the memories, Tulo, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening to my thoughts on that. Hey, before I send it to commercial here, I also wanted to make sure to shout out all of our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. There are a lot of you who had a lot of fun with us last night at the Breckenridge Brewery Pub Crawl across a few places in lower downtown Denver, just around Coors Field, actually. Blake Street Tavern, Sports Column, and Ice House hitting those places up, drinking some Breck brews. Uh, It it was a lot of fun. So uh, I think a lot of you uh, followed along on Twitter, even if you weren't there. So wanted to make sure that we said thanks to them and also remind you that you can pick up any one of their signature beers at any liquor store. Pretty much they've all got Breckenridge at this point. I personally prefer the vanilla porter, but they've also got a great oatmeal stout, the world-famous Avalanche, the classic American Amber, and everyone's new favorite. There was a lot going around last night was that Strawberry Sky. Everyone's going to love it, whether you're more of a beer aficionado like me or, or if you're just into having a beer you don't have to think too much about while you watch the game. Either way, you're going to love the Strawberry Sky. So look for it at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge brew. You can also check out our events calendar so that you don't miss the next pub crawl on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all the events we have planned. We'll be drinking these Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP, come out with us and have a good time. Let's throw it to a quick commercial break. Be back on the other side. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to go over some uh, solutions for the Rockies pitching over the last couple of days. Some things that we've seen uh, and some interesting, at least one interesting transaction that has occurred since. 
Jeff Hoffman, I really thought that was the best we've seen of him in quite some time in that uh, series finale against the Washington Nationals. He really didn't have the absolute best command of his fastball, but he had a really good curveball. He was having a, a good feel, a good enough feel, I think, for slider changeup just to keep guys a little bit honest. But he had the, the movement and the velocity on the fastball, and he was pitching smart. He was working guys in really smart ways. And so there were a couple of times that even though the fastball wasn't especially well located, because he had been working off the curveball that was so good, he was able to blow it right by a couple of guys for some big, big punch outs. Of course, the issue then comes when you lose your command for a second, you walk a guy or you walk a guy and you give up a bloop or whatever, and then you do that and you don't get away with it. You don't happen to blow it by him because he's sitting on the curveball. He's ready to jump on a fastball and you give up a three-run home run erasing a lead that was given to you because Garrett Hampson took Max Scherzer deep. That's that's a tough spot to be in. So um, it, it's still obviously there. there's some polishing that needs to be done there, needs to get that fastball under control just a little bit more. But I, I think you're starting to see the next step, the next evolution. I, I think you're starting to see a better version of Jeff Hoffman here. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot more of him down the stretch, despite the fact that he was sent down just a few hours ago from uh, my recording of this. To bring up Chichi Gonzalez, they just needed uh, a fresh arm, and it was the right schedule to do so again because of these delays and double headers the Rockies have really had a tough go when it comes of uh, the to the schedule making lately with them having to play the one game that got delayed for three hours and them not playing a game that it looks like they very easily could have uh, it's led to some of this but as you all know the last time we saw Chi Chi he was quite good and uh, I had argued on this very podcast that he deserved an opportunity to come back out and show us what he could do again and this seems like a perfect chance to do that against a Reds team that doesn't have the scariest offense in the world but it's a very offensive friendly ballpark and as we've seen they can uh, that team can put up runs when you're making mistakes just like anybody can in major league baseball and so uh, it'll be fascinating to watch Chi-Chi just a few hours uh, from my recording this. But all told, Hoffman really did go out and keep them in the game against the wild card leaders and really just made that one bad mistake. Uh, other than that, yeah, he was giving up some base runners, but guys were throwing out singles on decent pitches or, or working walks. I don't think he walked anybody on four. No, he did have a, a – I'd have to look at it, three or four walks I'd have to remember – uh, but I thought Jeff Hoffman pitched mostly very well. He, he pitched, again, I'm with Manny on kill the win or whatever, but I do need another, I need some sort of replacement for, it was a winning effort. It was, and again, I don't think it was even technically a quality start because I don't believe he went six. I think he went five. But there, I need another word for this. You, you all can help me out there, but it was, it was definitely the kind of effort that can and should win you a baseball game more often than not. And 
it uh, looked like for a minute there that the Rockies were going to get it in a in a more normal fashion for him when Ryan McMahon hit a two-run home run to put the club back on top, but then Brian Shaw just came out and started walking dudes, and he can't do that. And that that is just a, a, a brutal thing to do when you're giving the run back. It's it's one thing if they're going to throw out some singles and, and hit a big home run or hit a couple balls in the gap and, and you've got to you know figure it out. But when you come out and you immediately give up two base runners who didn't even have to move the bat and they weren't even especially competitive at bats, uh, it just it, it, it was brutal. And uh, especially if you're trying to, uh, from Jeff Breidich's perspective, maybe move him at the deadline, that didn't exactly increase his value right now. If you're trying to make the argument that, you know, hey, maybe get him away from Coors, or hey, you know, he's actually been pretty good this season, especially compared to last season. So it's like, yeah, but he, if you hand him a two-run lead in the sixth, he can't go out. And walk the first two guys like that. <laughs> that's just the exact opposite. The absolute last thing you'd rather him go out there and give up a home run to the first guy than walk him. Honestly, it just builds this momentum and confidence for the other guys. And so that was brutal. Coughed it up. Of course, Gerardo Parra. Played a role in that. Didn't just give up the two runs, but ended up uh, coughing the whole thing away. But saved by Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond, the former Washington Nationals. And as I hope you all saw on bsndenver.com, if you haven't, please subscribe. I had a lot of fun writing this one. Our guy Patrick Lyons was out there in New York and Washington covering the team, doing a fantastic job. He wrote some really good stuff that I enjoyed reading. I hope you all did. Uh, but he also got me some quotes from Ian Desmond on being the last person who is technically a Montreal Expo, even though he never played for the Expos. By the time he made it to the major leagues, they were the Washington Nationals, but he was drafted by the Montreal Expos. And uh, it, I, it was just... A wonderful story. I, I hope I did the the story behind the story justice, the article. Uh, but I had a lot of fun writing it. And, and of course, he did me a, a solid by playing such a big role in that come from behind win and having such a great moment and having fans uh, just be elated with him. Even though he took a win away from their wild card leading team, they still love Ian Desmond there in Washington. Uh, and that was a... A fun one to write so hopefully you've all subscribed and and you can check that out actually that one's a free one right now so that that's even that's even better if you haven't subscribed and you're curious what type of content normally would be subscriber content that's the kind of thing but i thought maybe some nationals fans might enjoy it and i thought maybe some uh, expos fans some montreal baseball fans might enjoy it uh, because it's really cool that he takes pride in still honoring the Montreal Expos, even though technically he never was one. He never got to wear the uniform. He mentioned that in the piece. And so excellent reporting from Patrick Lyons. And I had a really fun time putting that one together. And it was a nice moment for Desi to come through there and tie the game with the big home run to center field. Again, kind of a juiced ball home run, but 
I'm going to get into the juiced balls at a future date, uh, hopefully with a couple of podcast guests who can get into it a little bit deeper and better than I will be able to. So uh, I'm just going to move that on down the line and get uh, back into the rest of the pitching stuff that I just wanted to mention. We saw another strong seven-inning performance out of Herman Marquez. I'm starting to worry a little bit about his innings. He leads the National League in innings pitched this year, and I've talked before about why you know, I think that can be dangerous for Rockies pitchers in particular. It's, it's a lot of wear and tear on your arm. On the other hand, he's done exactly what I, I talked about the, the day after. He had that horrible start at Coors Field. I was everywhere on Twitter, on this podcast. I think I wrote it in a game recap, but I didn't make it a whole article. I thought about it, but I didn't want to do a big, you know, watch out. Here comes Herman Marquez. He's definitely back, especially if the kid continued to struggle. Um, it, it, it just... I sent out the tweet about him holding back tears when he got rocked at Coors Field. And in my mind, I just kept thinking, he's he's going to turn this around. He's just hit rock bottom, and he's going to come out with an absolute vengeance, the, the tightest focus. He's not going to let this happen again. His eyes said to me, I'm never letting this happen again. And his next two outings, you know, some frustrations in there. They've by no means been perfect. couple of runs each time, but seven innings, seven strikeouts, no walks, nothing for free, nothing. And it was a close game for a while there. Rockies take the three-run lead on the Daniel Murphy home run in the top but the reds get one right back which steals a lot of your thunder and momentum if you get to sit on a three-run lead for three or four or five innings you feel pretty comfortable with that lead but three to nothing they get a run back immediately with their leadoff runner scoring after a double a bulk and a ground ball to second and you're kind of back on your heels a lot two-run game next inning home run three two game that was it After that, he sat down, I think, 11 in a row, gave up a single, sat down a bunch of guys, finished that last inning. Looked like he was going to get in some trouble there before the Rockies went on a big run. Again, it was still close. I believe it was 4-2 at the time. Maybe it was 6-2 at the time. But he he was uh, a double. It was single-double, double-single. I'm I'm mixing them up in my head right now. But he had runners at uh, second and third. No, it was first and third. Runners at the corners. Nobody out in his seventh inning of work. Strikeout, double play, nobody scores. That's a way to end a ball game. That's the Herman Marquez that if they can get him back again. And we've talked about this. There may be enough time. There may not be enough time. But the Rockies turn around. Short term, long term, whatever term you care most about. If you're still holding out hope for this season, if you're looking to next year, this is it's the same damn question. Can Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland get this thing figured out? Because if they can, your team is still in a great spot. And they will power a late year run or a next year run. And I've got no problem being just as confident going into next season with my analysis of those two as I was this year, despite all of these struggles, if it looks like they've turned a corner. And right now, it looks like both of them are ready to compete their asses off down the stretch. I'm not counting, I'm not counting either guy out. I've spent too much time around each one of those individuals to count them out. 
But that's going to be the situation one way or the other, right? As I've said before, I still think the Rockies should sell. Question in here from huge friend of the podcast and BSN and IRL, if I do say so myself. Daniel says, what do you expect the Rockies to do at the deadline? Do you expect if pitching doesn't improve that the Rockies may have to move out some of the pitching coaches uh, and and I don't think that that's going to happen during the season, but I actually could see that happening in the offseason if they believe that there was some sort of instruction that wasn't being taken to or, or that, that could have helped these guys get quicker out of these jams. And if they show some of this promise but then sink right in, back into some bad habits and don't finish well, maybe. But I do think that uh, it's a, well, I know it's not going to happen during, I'd be very surprised if it happened during the season, anything like that. Uh, but I do expect that they'll do some things at the deadline and it wouldn't surprise me if they're smaller sell ish type moves, uh, moving out some contracts, maybe a veteran reliever to the names we've mentioned, maybe McGee, Maybe Shaw, uh, maybe probably not Wade Davis. That would be a bigger move. I think if they traded their actual closer right now, that would be a bigger move. Um, that w- That's kind of the biggest thing I could see them do. Maybe Daniel Murphy. That I think makes a little bit more sense to explore in the offseason potentially. Um or at least makes just as much sense. Like you can still trade Daniel Murphy. He's got, I think $8 million on his contract for next season, which really isn't that much. Um, so I, I think they could do some of those things uh, around, around the edges if, as it were. Jake says Marquez is deserving of one more dominant pitcher in this rotation. He's working his ass off. Yeah. Uh, with gray. Yeah, and, and and so it's, you know, Gray's been close. Kyle can get back in there, I think. But uh, I, I don't think that, uh, Jake, I got to disagree with you on the time to move some of the prospects and get guys for right now. I, I think that's the exact opposite. I think the Rockies need to be building up a few more extra prospects to help them out over the next couple of years. And maybe in the off season go and get uh, a more known commodity, particularly at starting pitcher. But I was having this conversation with someone today. They were saying, why don't the Rockies do this? Why do they always hoard their prospects and and never go out and make the move and trade a bunch of them and get the big guy? And my answer was, and there's, there's a lot of reasons why, but the simplest reason is they've never been good at that, ever. With any GM, with any ownership group, they've never been able to make the huge splashy trade that brings in the guy who was awesome somewhere else and continues to be awesome in Colorado or the big free agency signing. All of their most successful seasons, including the last two, were built on homegrown talent, largely homegrown talent. Guys they've drafted, developed, taught how to play with some of the nuances of Coors Field in Colorado and all the things that come with that. And and that is and, and and it's not that you you know you have to live and die by that philosophy because 
at some point you do have to you can't be afraid to make trades you can't be afraid to make free agency signings but i don't think they're ever going to be a team that tries to build that way that really tries to have their key pieces be somebody from somewhere else the rockies are always going to be a team that their core charlie blackman drafted and developed nolan arenado trevor story john gray Scott Oberg, all drafted and developed by the Colorado Rockies. Ryan McMahon, David Dahl, Ryan Maltapia, Chris Iannetta, technically. Um, I, I shouldn't just say technically. He's just, he, he has gone and played for other people and then come back, but Chris Iannetta is a homegrown player. Carlos Estevez, you go on down the line. And then you look at the ones who aren't. A lot of the guys that fans are rightfully frustrated with brian shaw wade davis ian desmond daniel murphy guys that have come in from other places and and we're all better in the other places that they've been all of the guys i just mentioned were better for the other teams than they have been for the rockies there's a long list back to jeremy guthrie and mike hampton and denny nagel and it's it, there are obviously more pitchers on that list than there are hitters. There there have been some guys who have come from other places and done well. Certainly Carlos Gonzalez, who was not brought up by, in the Rockies system, was actually traded twice, the Diamondbacks to the A's and then the A's to the Rockies. Uh, he, he's probably the one. and But that was still as a very, very young player, and he still spent some time in the Rockies minor league system. More of a... Hermen Marquez example. But there just aren't any great Rockies. I guess Larry Walker, who was great for the Expos for a couple of years, pretty good for the Expos for a couple of years, and then it was phenomenal for the Rockies. Although, so there's that. But I, I, and I think that's a smart way to go. But anyway, it's a great question. It's worth asking. And I do think at some point, one of these years, there's just going to be too perfect of a a match to not do it and they will or they should you got to be open to it but i think they're going to do what they can to restock with some young guys and and go back and attack this thing next year with largely the same core but with different role player pieces that help maximize what they have and i think that's the right way to go so great question jake thank you i'm going to take another quick break here come back on the other side of it and talk a little bit about some of the hitting that we've seen lately and uh, just keep answering questions. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs. 
you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. I want to get into the Rockies hitting, which has been markedly better the last couple of games, throwing out eight runs and 12 runs. That's pretty impressive. But most specifically, I wanted to start with Ryan McMahon, who I've been discussing since the break as the potential big story of the second half. Uh, I think he we're, we're seeing exactly what I was saying, him emerging as a core member of this team, somebody who's going to be a mainstay for years to come. And whether that means he's an all-star or just a, a role player that you can count on to do things like he did the other day when... Nolan needed a rest, go in and play some third base, have a couple, have a huge day, a couple big RBI, a big home run. But the thing he's doing that's, I, I think, caught everyone's attention here has been the two-out production, the really good at-bats with two outs. He got the RBI and kept the inning going right in front of Garrett Hampson's home run off of Max Scherzer, one of the more improbable moments of the 2019 Major League Baseball season. It was something to behold, though, wasn't it? Uh, But McMahon put together a really fantastic at-bat right before that, driving the ball to right field to bring in a run and set up Hampson for the homer. And he's been doing this really throughout the entire second half or, or since the break. I know I know it's technically not the second half. But he's put together good at-bats actually all season. That's one of the things we were talking about early on when the batting average was still pretty low. And I'd have to see where the average is at right now. But his on-base percentage has been decent to good all season. And part of that has been, yeah, he's drawn some walks here and there. And they're not quite as valuable when he's been batting further down in the order as they would be if he was batting more toward the heart of the lineup or at the top, though he's didn't have great speed, you wouldn't have him lead off by any means. Still, it's, you know, not making an out. It's not making an out, and that's always valuable. Always, always, always. And you've seen him putting together these very nice encounters all season. He sees a ton of pitches. He's not swinging at a lot of balls. Yeah, he still gets beat on the fastball up in his kitchen a little bit more than he should, but... He's a, he's a really smart, really gifted baseball player. And I think what we've seen more recently is that he's allowing all of that to just kind of take over. And he's just been a ball player. And he's out there having a good time, having fun. He's one of the guys who I think can really bring some fun back to this team again over the next couple of weeks and months or even over the next couple of years as he comes into his own and as he does become a part of the core and as he becomes one of those guys who – everyone's fine with him being a little bit rah-rah because, oh, yeah, 
he hit that home run that won us that game, and he hit that other big double in the gap that won us that game. He made that great defensive play the other day. And when you've been around a little bit and you're doing these things, it builds confidence for you, but it also allows your personality to take over. And Ryan McMahon's one of those guys who's got just hordes of personality, just oozes from this guy. And the more he does this, I think the more fans are going to get to love him. I think he's I think he's going to be a fan favorite by the end of the season. I think a lot of people are going to be going, man, why haven't I always been in on this Ryan McMahon guy? And it, it, here it is. So I'm happy to see it happening to him because he's a good dude and I've known him for a long time. But I, I think more importantly for the ball team, he can be an, an important cog moving forward somebody that you add to what you feel like is your cemented core that you can build around because you can rely on him to play second first or third really well at third and second and I think pretty well at first. I need to see more, but he's he's become, quite frankly, a pretty fantastic second baseman, and he hasn't been doing it that long. In the grand scheme of things, he's still a, a baby at playing second base, which suggests to me he's going to get better and better and better because of the type of young man that he is, that he's smart, that he's capable, but that he's a really hard worker, that he's a baseball rat. I mean, he, he, he's one of those guys that does like other things, too. He has other interests. He doesn't mind going to the movies every once in a while. He doesn't mind just you know, not talking baseball. But he also doesn't mind just talking baseball. On record, off record, just, yeah, this guy's got this stuff, and I'm looking for this, and I, I think he might, you know, you know, you got to be careful about this. He's, he's, he's gotten me with this pitch a couple of times before, so I've got that in the back of my mind. But if I go hunting for it, then I'm just going to miss it that much more. You know, stuff. That, and, and he'll talk all day with you about the game. And I, and I think he has, he has all of the intangibles and all of the right things to become a superstar, to become a perennial all-star. Uh, we're just now witnessing... And we will continue to witness over the next several weeks whether or not his skill level, because ultimately baseball is a game of skill. It is a, a game of a technical skill of swinging the, the bat and everything else. Mostly that's the thing. Can he ultimately catch up to and time major league fastballs and major league curveballs? He got that curveball. That was a well-located pitch. The two-run Jackie hit. Against Washington, I mean, that ball was like pitcher probably wanted it a little bit lower, but McMahon went down and got that thing left on left curveball, went underneath it and just blasted that thing. Wasn't like Daniel Murphy who got a slider right over the heart of the plate and pummeled it, uh, which you you got to do that too. That's not easy. That's not easy either, just because the pitcher makes a mistake, but. Hitting a, a non-mistake pitch out the way he did there is just another sign that Ryan McMahon is taking that next step. And then I think over the last couple of days, we've seen a lot of things we knew we were going to see. Charlie Blackman was going to come out of his little mini slump there. It's a very short one, but 
come out of it he did i've talked a lot about how i think daniel murphy's gonna have a big second half that was when i thought they were gonna still compete and go on a run and they're only seven and a half out of it here only crazier things have happened but daniel murphy i think is going to continue to hit really well and now uh, i mentioned earlier about brian shaw not raising his trade value very much i think with these last four or five games here daniel murphy has shown everyone in baseball he's still the guy who hits a ton of line drives and hits the ball in the air and and can be a nightmare to pitch to and doesn't strike out very often and those are all incredibly valuable skills to have and you know if if you're really iffy about his defense an american league team could put him at dh and there's there's a lot of options there so uh, and he may remain with the rockies in fact i probably would expect him to but uh, either way you're seeing more out of his bat lately Nolan doesn't look quite right, does he? And Mary asked the other day about him uh, physically with the foot and everything that's going on. When he came in to pinch hit in that game he didn't start against the Nationals, uh, he took some ugly, ugly hacks. And he's been taking some lately, so I'm not sure. He's back in the lineup tonight, but I'm not sure he's 100%. Uh, Other than that, though, I expect the lineup to get right back to doing some of the things they've been doing throughout the season, putting up some big numbers. Dahl, Story, Blackman are all going to continue to hit, um, but probably going to be a little bit too little too late, isn't it? Probably going to be a little bit too little and too late. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Not that this is news to you. So, uh, But the deadline now is just a few days away. We'll keep our eyes and ears open to see if the Colorado Rockies do anything. If it's anything above, if they trade for someone I've heard of before, uh, I will come on here immediately and do a Facebook Live and a podcast uh, the very second I hear what it is and, and feel like I can give some decent analysis on it. So be on the lookout for any of that. Um, oh, yeah, Mary, good point. Nolan did look okay last night. He had that rough stretch there. Maybe the day off was what he needed. He always has good numbers. Uh, he, he typically does really well after getting a break there. Um, so we'll see if that can continue for him. And and if so, again, I, I said it the other day, but I think this one's repeating because I, we, we did the BSN uh, pub crawl last night. And it was phenomenal. It was 60 or 70 people out just hanging out with us talking sports going from bar to bar uh, everyone having a good time and and people that were asking me about the rockies were asking about this dynamic and i think our guy aj hayfley and i really hashed it out just saying they are going to go on their run or they're not but they're if they do it's with what they have and what what they're they're going to have. They're not going to change Freeland, Marquez, Gray, Dahl, Arnado, Story, Blackman. If those guys play at their absolute best, particularly Marquez, Freeland, throw Lambert in there, and Gray, they pitch at their absolute best, for the remainder of the season, you go on a run. Regardless of what happens with Desmond, Murphy, Shaw, McGee, Davis, even if you, and, and I've seen some people suggest, and I'm not really into it for obvious reasons, trading Rymel Tapia, I don't think you're going to get 
a ton out of Tapia right now. I don't think he's got a ton of value around the league. Um, but your core is what it is. And the reason you're in the spot right now is that a number of the members of that core, specifically those pitchers, played very, very poorly up to this point this season. The only way you get out of it is if they're better. They're not going to replace those guys. So Daniel, a different one from earlier, asks, uh, chances we see both McGee and Shaw on this team to start, start spring training next year? I doubt it. I doubt both of them are there. Whether it's a trade at this deadline or, or in the offseason or, you know, and even at that point, too, if they show up and aren't good in spring training, they they could be cut like you saw they did it with Mike Dunn in the final year of a contract you can just buy a guy out of the rest of it and walk away no, it's not the ideal thing no team wants to pay guys millions of dollars to not play baseball for them or potentially to play baseball against them it's one of my favorite lines in the Moneyball movie and when Billy Bean Brad Pitt's Billy Bean is talking to David Justice and he brings up uh, his big contract. So I'm pretty important. He says, no, man. The Yankees are paying your contract, half your contract. That's what New York thinks of you. They're paying you $6 million to play against them. <laughs> Brutal. And, uh, you know, so nobody wants to do that. But I, I think it's unlikely that we see the whole team, whether there's a shakeup at this deadline or not, there's going to be a shakeup on this team unless they go. I mean, they could look there. I, I know there are there's probably about 20 to 30 percent of people who are listening to this podcast who still are holding out hope for this season, want to see the Rockies go on a run and they might. They could well do that. And then maybe there won't need to be a, a big shakeup in the offseason. There's still going to be some stuff to address here and and the bullpen is definitely one of those spots and that's why i say that now, i could see them after all the troubles with the starting pitching they've had if freeland and marquez finish out the season really well you don't have to go get starting pitching you really don't and i know people go really they're going to come back with the exact same cast of starting pitchers like yeah going into next year with marquez freeland gray lambert now, that, that fifth spot has obviously been the gigantic question mark, and that's where I think they could really do themselves a, a service and go get somebody. But they've also got the rest of this year to see Chichi Gonzalez and Jeff Hoffman and maybe a little Ryan Castellani we might get a look at. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but that's the spot, right? But their history of signing... Not, not even Jeff Breidich is just the Colorado Rockies. Go out and sign a big free agent starting pitcher. Usually just ends up being a bunch of money. End up paying Mike Hampton to play against you. Right? Paying Jeremy Guthrie to play for the Royals. <laughs> you know? So, anyway... It's been a fun one today. Thank you all. It's gone in some weird directions, but I appreciate the the questions and we'll continue to do this. Make sure if you want to get 100% that your question is 
answered here on the podcast. Leave a comment on either the most recent podcast or the most recent game recap article. I'm going to try to keep the comment sections on the feature pieces to conversation about those pieces but really trying to to drum up a little more interest the broncos guys have done a really great job of turning their comment sections into these living breathing places where people can come and you guys can have all kinds of fun conversations with each other and i want to encourage that as much as i can so uh, please bring your questions uh, to the website and i will make sure that i answer them 100 percent of the time if they're left there and uh Feel free to, to have back and forth with each other and get into some interesting conversations there on the site. And there could even be days where I just go through and, and read through those conversations and give my thoughts throughout and, and just share that with everyone. We want to do everything we can to have this be accessible for all of you and, and give you more opportunities to engage, not even just with us, but also there. And, and it would also be great, like you could leave on the website a question for me to ask a player or to ask Bud Black, uh, and, and I will see it. That's the one way you can guarantee I will see your question is if you come down to the website, leave a comment. Uh, we're going to be patrolling that constantly. So, uh, And I know Mary has done a really good job. Neil uh, has left us some comments, so I want to give those guys a shout-out for doing that, and hopefully that will continue. Uh, Mary, I'll get to the conversation on uh, Mike Talkman's comments about the outfield and defensive positioning on a future podcast because I want to read that entire article. I've seen clips. I've seen excerpts, uh, but I don't 100% trust people that are sharing the information to provide full context uh that can get lost so i want to make sure i've done my due diligence to see exactly what mike was talking about there and there have been a few other things that jeff breidich has talked about so i think we can do a conversation just sort of on the general manager and on the team's philosophy and since we've still got a few days here before the deadline, that'll be a good time to have that. So in the next couple of days, maybe even tomorrow, we'll see how interesting this evening's game is. But remind me, again, you can leave a comment on the site, but we, we do want to talk a little bit uh, about all of that. I just want to make sure that I'm a bit more properly prepared. So thank you for, for reminding me to do that. And uh, you guys are just the best. All of you are the best. Uh, thank you to anyone who came out to the pub crawl last night. Uh, if you weren't able to make it, I hope we see you at the next one. It really was a whole lot of fun. So thank you all for hanging out. Hope you're following us on social media, at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give it uh, a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Subscribe to bsndenver.com so you can leave a comment and you can read all these exclusive articles we've been putting out, just pretty much one a day for the last couple of weeks here. So uh, you, you don't want to miss out on that, and you get a free T-shirt. Tony Two Bags or Nolan being Nolan or, the, the man, those homegrown ones are going to come right back if Kyle keeps pitching well. So thank you all so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a 
patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family-oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com.